Welcome to the Strategy and Leadership Podcast, the podcast that brings you practical advice, lessons, and stories from senior leaders and thought leaders from around the world. The Strategy and Leadership Podcast is brought to you by SME Strategy, working with organizations around the world to create and implement their strategic plans. To learn more, visit smestrategy.net. And now, your host, Anthony Taylor. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, folks, and people to today's episode of the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. My name is Anthony Taylor. I'll be your host today. And today I am joined by Ellen Sneed. Ellen, how are you today? I'm fabulous today. Excellent. I'm excited to be able to chat. So Ellen is the author of Lead, How Women in Charge Claim Their Authority. She is a speaker and executive coach to senior level women. And I'm just so excited. You've got such a cool background, both uh, corporate background, education background, consulting background, personal background, that I'm excited to hear what's keeping you busy these days. But why don't you give uh, fill in any blanks that I might have missed for our listeners today? I think that the through line of all of that is my passionate commitment to advancing women. I started as a Catholic nun, went to academia, started my own consulting business for 15 years, and then ended up an executive in a Silicon Valley tech company. And now I've written the book and on the speaker circuit. So it's full circle all around women. Yeah, absolutely. I get that. So I really like the idea of claiming their authority because, you know, if we think about it, women and men have different personalities. They have different strengths. I think you hear more generally about the the struggles or the challenges that women face in their roles as senior leaders. Maybe we can speak to that a little bit. What are the things that you see common challenges that women face and, you know, some practical takeaways on, on how they can take the step towards that? Because it's it's a journey. It's not like a set it and forget it. It's really a progression. So what are the things that you've seen in your journey? Yeah, so I think I would start with a basic distinction I make between leadership and authority. Because during this 18 years, I was a Catholic nun in an order that ran colleges and universities and high schools. I saw women of every size, shape, personality be extremely effective leaders. And when I went on to Harvard to study women's development and leadership, I found in the leadership courses, they were all stressing what we call soft skills today, you know, listening and caring and compassion. And I thought the women I know in leadership roles do that really, really well. So that led to the question, what is the challenge for women? And I began to think it's about holding the role of authority where you have the power to hire, fire, write performance reviews, all those challenging things. And for women, especially, I think the role and the relationship becomes the challenge. Mm. It's interesting that you say like the, the things that make women leaders, it's there's like a YouTube video of a joke of like women in the UN, if all world leaders were women, that they would just communicate and they would get so much more done because they weren't posturing. And it's in fact the thing. But then, of course, you know, everybody has the challenge. So as it comes to authority, what does authority look like to you in practice, whether that's from your shared experience or, or what you see with the people that you, you coach and work with? Right. So I like to frame authority as the responsibility and power 
that comes to an individual who is named to a role. So you can exercise leadership from any position in a community or organization, but authority is a name position within a system or company or organization. Got it. And as that applies, what does that look like in practice when people are being, dare I say, you know, say women leaders specifically, when they are being authoritative in the in the best way, like how they can claim their authority, uh, what does that look like? And what can women leaders do or women in authority positions do to be more effective? Right. So women in authority, like men in authority, need to accomplish the goal of the organization, the business, the business objectives. Men and women have the same responsibility there. I think I don't like to talk too much about uh, gender differences, but I think for women, we've been raised and acculturated to be so attuned to other people and to the relationships and to the needs of people that sometimes being so attuned to that makes it difficult to have the hard conversations, to take the steps for, for example, if you have to lay off a lot of people, that's not easy for anyone. But women tend to have more connection to the relationships. And they, you know, just to make that relevant to today, there's research now that shows during the pandemic that the female managers, the women managers, were paying a lot more attention and investing a lot more of their own energy in caring for their employees and now are experiencing greater burnout because of that. So when I'm working with a woman who is in a role of authority, I'm trying to help her balance three relationships. The relationship with herself, understanding what she wants in her career, what she wants to accomplish, her relationship with others, and that has multiple levels of your the people you manage, the people who are your peers, and then the people who are above you who need to know you if you're ever going to be promoted. And then the relationship to the system, which very often women don't fully take account of. You know, I think guys are raised to have more of an awareness of how a group functions, you know, and all of the ways that they get socialized through a drink after work or golfing. They understand how the whole group works, not just the individual relationships. And sometimes women don't realize that a lot of that informal networking really plays an impact on people's careers. Yeah, because I think one of the things when you said, so I really love that, by the way, ladies, gentlemen, or none of those things, if you're listening to, I think there's a lot to listen here. So it's not just for women and it's not just for men, but the relationship to self being aware of, of how that is, um, especially in times of, of crisis or challenging times, uh, relationship with others. If you are a leader, if you're a manager, you relate with others and then relationship to the system. And I think that's critical. And, and what I put on the, as a sidebar is kind of playing the game. The guys play the game. Very well put. That's exactly. And knowing how the game is played, you know, that's the key. And I wonder how the game and, you know, we, we could talk about equity and equality and all that stuff. Now, the game isn't necessarily stacked default 
because of like physiologically women have different needs that that sometimes force them to prioritize it's like oh i gotta you know be with the kids or i gotta be with my family or i you know choices and so maybe a question to ask is how can senior level women or any women or anybody be aware of playing the game without sort of sacrificing self or sacrificing you know kind of those ingrained needs that are there and they can't do anything about it is my question kind of clear if you get what i'm talking about yeah i i would just tweak it a little bit and i would say rather than saying needs i would say responsibilities thank that, you yes that women often to date have been carrying more of the responsibility for children and uh, parental care i i have one of the places i find hope is that i think the younger generations of men are really assuming more responsibility for childcare, but I'm not quite sure we're at parity yet. I think that when it comes to balancing those responsibilities with your role at work, I find that women can actually do that piece reasonably well. It can be challenging and hard, but my observation is they do it well. The system piece is that the systems of organizations have been created by decades of mostly white men who have built a culture that is comfortable and effective for them. Mm. And so when someone who is different, whether it's women or a person of color comes in, there is a rub and it's important to understand what makes the system click and work because the system doesn't feel compelled to understand or incorporate you. And so all of the work that we see today on diversity and inclusion is trying to address the decades of assumption that one model was the model. And now we're trying to recognize that the research shows that businesses are much more effective as businesses their financial bottom line is higher if they have a diverse workforce and a diverse leadership team yeah absolutely and i want to try to take a uh, i have a question about again women leaders but to pull back on you said talking about the system if you are a leader male or female and you're running your organization you might not recognize that you are actually in a system and most entrepreneurs, business people, they recognize they have a business model. If you take the model, the business model canvas and all of the components to it, you think it's like, how do I make my widget? How do I sell my widget? How do I do payment processing faster? How do I save money here? But I don't think people think about how that people system is set up. We talk culture, which is loosely that, but it's actually, hey, what are the uh, blind spots? How have things been set up? And I think we talk about disruption that happened through COVID. Everybody had to work from home. Great. Well, that serves some people and it underserved other people. So from a people perspective, look and say, hey, how are you supporting the people within your organization, but not because they're within an organization like it's four walls, but within your organization because your organization is a system of systems designed to make a widget. Exactly, exactly. When I worked at a tech company, I was in charge of the 
orientation of senior executives when they were hired. And the first thing I would say is you're going to find that you run into invisible walls. And they'd say, what do you mean? And I'd say, well, you're coming in from a larger type of company where you know how things function. And this company is only 12 years old and it's like a 12 year old boy. And so you're going to be going along and all of a sudden something's going to happen. You're going to hit something and you won't know what happened. But it's, it's that the culture or the system or the norms are still being created. And don't be surprised if you don't recognize them when you hit them. Hey, sorry to interrupt. It's Anthony here again. I just wanted to let you know if you're enjoying today's episode, I'd love it if you could give us a review and a comment to let us know where you're listening from. It means a lot to us. It helps us with the algorithm. It also helps us get into the hands of more people so that we can keep bringing great guests onto the show. So please do that. Also, if you or your team are planning a strategic planning offsite coming up, please reach out to us. We'd be happy to see if we're a fit to facilitate to support you and your team getting on the same page and getting about where you want to go. So you can visit smestrategy.net or click the link in the description. We'd appreciate both of those things. Now get us back to the episode. Hey, sorry. Mm, I I find that so fascinating, both calling a a young company a 12-year-old boy because sometimes they act irrationally, but also the the expectations and norms of of how things went before. Um, I want to, I have a question that I'm saving about leaders leading high potential women. But before I do that, because we talked about, you, talk, you talked about relationship with self, relationship with others, relationship to the system. From a perspective of authority, how do you view internalizing either conflict, conflict with self or conflict with others as it relates to that leadership authority dynamic? And I say that because sometimes I find uh, women leaders that I talk to sometimes internalize process a lot. And I don't know if it always uh, gets communicated and, and, and they hold on to a lot of stuff. So you, as you had mentioned, the relationship with self suffers. And I was wondering what you thought of uh, internalization as a source of that. Absolutely. I talk about the internal voices, you know, that we have um, internalized, that we're constantly judging ourselves. If a woman is given a performance review and everything is glowing and at the end, the manager says, you know, and if you want to continue to develop, you can do X, Y, and Z. And if you meet her five minutes later or a day or two later, and you ask her how it went, all she's going to remember is that you can work on X, Y, and Z. She will completely have lost all of the positive glowing comments because we have this internal critic that is at work. And so when I'm coaching a woman, I'm really listening for what that sounds like and trying to help her recognize it so that she can develop alternative mantras, such as I will have confidence in my competence. I can do this. I am successful so that she begins to internalize it. The second piece of the internal relationship is that Far too often women don't take the time to know what it is they want on their career. They're busy with doing and performing and being good to their managers and their family and everything else. But if you ask them, where do you want to be in three years or five years? 
More often than not, I've found over the years they don't know. Whereas their male colleagues, if you ask, when I started asking colleagues of my clients, they would always say, oh, I want my boss's job in three years. You know, it's really clear. I'm ready to take that over. So I think I try to encourage women to really spend the time knowing what they want and then finding ways to ask for it, to really insist upon having a career conversation at least once a year. They show that women are five times more likely to not have a career conversation than their male colleagues. Interesting. I, I, as you say that, so by the way, you know, if this applies to you, take it. If it doesn't apply to you, don't take it. But it's, right, you know, right. we can get experts on here. But I find that generally men are more brazen. And again, going back to the responsibilities that are ingrained, I think men have a much easier time with the risk. And then I can sort of do whatever I want with my body and life, uh, like it or not. And that the right. risk to it is very low. Whereas in a woman, the, the partner they decide to choose and who they work with in the future and all of those, that it's much more complicated. Um, so it's an intricacy. So anything else you want to say about that? No, I, 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 I think you nailed it on that. You know, that guys don't have the same fear or hesitancy to apply for a job or ask for a promotion. And um, women are, you know, think I have to have X, Y, Z, you know, I have to have all 10 things on a job posting. And if I only have nine and sort of of the 10, I may not apply, which, you know, is just unfortunate. Yeah. And it's a, well, it's an interesting piece. So I want to shift the thought so that if you are a senior leader and there's a lot of, um, call it like mid-level or emerging female talent that they're just great. They're really good. Like if I have all women on my team, I would, because they're just excellent. And so I think that there are, as you talked about the demographic sociological trends, people a better understanding how you lead and mentor a man or male will be different than how you lead and mentor a, a female. And so what is advice that you would give to senior managers, male or otherwise, or female or otherwise, to support their mid-level uh, employees in that journey to really help them use your authority to help them expand their authority. I'm going to try to use the word. I love that question. I would say that supporting and promoting a woman is not all that different than doing it for a man. So I would say, first of all, ask yourself what you do when you do it well. Second of all, I would say with a woman, Find the time to understand what she wants. Pose the question. And if she doesn't have an answer, say, come back to me with an answer. So push. I think some, you know, I think in this kind of post fear of harassment um, environment, sometimes managers are afraid to ask women a question or afraid to push them. But I would say, Help her to have a career plan. Third is tell her what you see in her as potential. You know, everyone knows that women are fabulous performers, but there's a bias against seeing potential in them. And so senior men tend to see the potential in guys that look like they were when they were younger. But look at the women and tell her, 
I can't tell you how many women tell, tell a story of a manager in their career who told her the potential they saw in her. And it had transformative impact. So tell her what you see. Include her. Include her in meetings that will give her exposure to what the, the kind of culture system we're talking about. Introduce her to people. And be on the outlook for stretch assignments. Stretch assignments are those that pull someone out of their comfort zone and give them a chance to really stretch in a different area or a different set of skills or to do something that's pretty risky. But it's what demonstrates even more potential. And women don't raise their hands for risk assignments, which I push them to do, but they're often not asked to do this, the stretch assignment. And so that's a huge thing that you can do to really move someone along. Absolutely. And so the short, long and short of that is it's not that much different from leading men, but I think you have to be really intentional about what it is. Uh, being a leader, if nobody is following you, is one. Also, leaders help other people get to where they want to go. So you have to do that for everybody in your business and company are going to be better for it. I'm going to take opportunity to shout out an organization called Athena, which you may know. Uh, they're yes. from San Diego. Yes. So San Diego, I got placed there in a placement earlier this year to help them with a data visualization tool. And their mission is to advance a million women in STEM. And we talked about what does advance mean? It's like, oh, are they getting on boards? Are they taking on special projects? Because advance is conceptual. How do we make it specific? But I really love what they were doing is putting, and I think I put like mentorship for women leaders, like send the elevator back down and make it more commonplace to support those people. But whether you're man, woman, or non-gendered, you can definitely help all of those people. It, it, it's about balance and it's about, well, building your business, making more money. If you, support right. everybody equal, if you support everybody, your entire business is not going to be good, not just a small portion of it. Uh, thoughts on mentorship and- Yeah, uh, so just to build on what you were saying, I think the important thing when you were saying be intentional about it, what I would add is that because women often don't, ask for help or ask for mentoring or ask for the stretch assignment it doesn't mean they don't want it you know so so be intentional about raising the question putting the burden on them i'm not asking any manager to you know go overboard i'm just asking to be intentional about having the conversation telling them what you see and paying attention i think High-performing women get taken for granted. I've seen situations where a boss doesn't want to get her promoted because they don't want to lose their best performer. But you know, we we need to be willing to pay attention, see the potential, and push. Yeah, and it's uh, and when you say that, like my internal brain says, well, you know, in, the, in some cases, like yeah, I did that. I did. I did the thing one time. You know, I did ask one time and, and something happened, but it, you really have to like nurture. You can't water a plant one time. It's like, hey, always continue pushing. And I think that's what great managers do. Great leaders do. They put people out of their comfort zone. And so Absolutely. I think what I'm taking away from this is there is a natural discomfort 
like great potentially great nobody get mad at me here i'm just trying to get the thing i think there's a greater discomfort naturally from those stretch assignments from asking what you want so as a leader you need to build the system to support everybody in in flourishing um and then i'll give a plug for strategic planning i mean we do strategic planning all the time because that's our job we help leadership teams get clear on where they want to go because sometimes they don't even know where the future of the company is but i think it's a great tool to use that here's where the company is going talk to individual people say hey how do you see yourself fitting in there make it clear so they can say i see myself here oh okay well i see you over here so how do we you know reconcile the two so it's a a soft introduction to the conversation instead of just saying so janet where do you see yourself in five years it's like i don't know a million places uh, right. context and framework uh any thoughts on that yeah i i think that's right you know it's about having the conversation and understanding where they can contribute and keeping that fresh because i think younger generations really want to be doing new things and learning new skills all the time and i also think that it's about finding ways to tap into their understanding of what's good for the business that you know sometimes if you can ask really different people with different perspectives about what the strategy should or could be you might get some really valuable input hmm. i mean that's why we love what we do it's you get an opportunity to get everybody's perspective and um i like doing the virtual meetings because everybody has the same size zoom square you know, some people can be big personalities and take up a lot of space, myself included. But having the, the space for everybody to be equal, you get some really good results. Thoughts? Yeah. yeah, I would say to managers running Zoom calls, it's very challenging to make sure everyone gets hurt. And, you know, even gimmicky ways of, you know, going around the squares and giving everyone a chance to speak. But I think the same ways that women have often been silenced or overlooked or their comments have been absorbed by someone else in conference rooms happens on Zoom as well. So I think it's about really inviting, really as the manager, you really need to manage the conversation and not just let the extroverts dominate and make sure you hear from everyone. Yeah, there's a cool tool in the Otter AI, which we've used sometimes to record meeting. It'll tell you how much percentage of time each speaker spoke. Uh, and so if oh, you that's ever- fabulous. Yeah, so if you want a, a shot to the face to say, oh, okay, these three people talked 70% of the time and everybody else didn't, then you can't avoid it. So I like yeah. tools like that to highlight that. But Ellen, where can people uh, connect with you? Where can they get your book? Where can they learn more about what you do and, and, and just connect with you? Sure. So the quickest way to connect with me is through my website, which is just www.ellensnee.com. That's S-N-E-E. -E. On there, you can find out how to buy the book, how to engage me as an executive coach or as a speaker. We have all kinds of talks and activities. We post. We're trying to really become content rich over time and i'm also on social media so i welcome people reaching out to connect there's nothing i enjoy more so don't be shy
Awesome. Thank you, Ellen. And, I, and for our listeners, you know, I think whether you are a woman in authority or whether you are a male in authority or whether you're exploring ways to, to lead better, um, I think that there's lots to learn because if not for you, the people on your team, because everybody has to learn differently. So I invite you to shift your perspective on how you think of uh, everybody on your team and the system um, that is built around to help them be supported and uh, pick up Ellen's book when you get a chance. So uh, Ellen, thank you so much for joining me. It is been a blast of a conversation and just I appreciate your perspective today. Thank you so much. It's been a delight to have the conversation. Excellent. Me too. So uh, my guest today is Ellen Snee, who is the author of Lead, How Women in Charge Claim Their Authority. She is a speaker and executive coach to senior level women. So if you have someone in your life that is an executive level woman, be sure to woman, send them this podcast, connect them with Ellen, get the book. And uh, I hope you enjoy today's episode of the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. My name is Anthony Taylor. Uh, you can connect with me online. Be sure to like, subscribe, do all the things on social media. And I look forward to sharing with you in our next episode. Until next time. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. Before you go, I wanted to make sure that you knew about our signature course that will help you better align your team and get them bought into your strategic plan. It's presented really simply that whether you're a seasoned veteran or brand new to strategic planning, it'll help you better understand it. It'll help your team think more strategically and it'll help you better prioritize and set goals. Ultimately, it's going to give you a plan that you can execute successfully. Because you have no idea how many plans that I see that look good, but are missing key components to make them successful. And we cover all of those missteps in the course. On top of all the video training, you'll get access to all of our workbooks and access to our knowledge base and community. The course is only $4.95 and you can get instant access to all of the videos. Plus, you can use the code podcast for $100 off. The course comes with a 100% money back guarantee. If you don't get value from the course, let us know and we'll give you all of your money back. So go to smestrategy.net slash course. Use the code podcast for $100 off. And I'm really looking forward to the opportunity to support you and your team in getting alignment and moving your strategic plan forward. Thanks again for listening and we'll catch you next time.